Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the imaginations of our hearts what God's going to be doing through X Church in the weeks and months to come. We are excited. I don't know. Across the country, we look for key leaders that are surrounded by a team of leaders that have the potential for a generational impact for the cause of Christ. We began to assess the life of this church a couple, two or three years ago. We knitted, we prayed, we met, we discussed the vision, the heart. I want to say that God has given you a genuine article in Pastor Tim that loves the Lord and loves people, and I'm grateful that you're leading this thing. The Solomon Foundation has helped to identify areas across the country. In fact, in the last eight years, over 5,000 of us have plowed 200 and, uh, let me say, 240 churches that have received $554 million in assets to move the cause of Christ in the last eight years. 60,000 new people are in church in the last eight years, where 18,400 have been baptized. To God be the glory, great things he's done. We believe that the hunger for hope is escalating. We believe there's a sense in people's hearts that this is not all there is. I need God's help. Say that with me. I need God's help. I need to get beyond despair to hope. I need to get beyond to guilt to grace. I need to get beyond just death to hope in life that's everlasting. There's a living God and a loving Savior, and He's planted churches across the country very similar to this one right here. And I'm grateful that He has grafted our lives. I sense that Crossroads, the X Church is at a crossroads for a generational impact that could touch hundreds of families that you've not yet met. You know, in America, many Christians have, I think, started to work at their play, worship their work, and play at their worship. I sense we're in a season where people are working at their play. You don't think so. Look at a crowd that gets engaged in pushing a football three yards down the field that a hundred years from now won't make any difference. My wife is here in the back. We have a friend who is a, one of the leading scorers in the state of Kentucky high school basketball for years. And all of his trophies and all of his stuff and his all-state whatever are now in a basement someplace gathering dust. When he lost his son in a car wreck, he called and said, Russell, will I ever get to see my boy again? I said, Winford, loving Jesus and the way of the cross is the only hope we have of seeing our loved ones forever. I want to tell you, this church believes in a resurrected Savior. My relationship to Jesus and those people going to heaven and everything else is dust in the wind. People work at their play. If you don't think so in Kentucky, I want to tell you, if Kentucky loses to Indiana in a basketball game, the flags are at half-mast. If you don't think that people work at their play, when, I mean, when Ohio State loses to Michigan once every 10 or 20 years, when, when can Ohio State loses, I'm t the price of Zoloft goes up. I mean, antidepressants scale high. The suicide phones are red hot. Why? We lost to Michigan. We work at our play. We worship our work. 
If the excuses we gave for not coming to church, you know, I don't feel real well today. It's a little tired. Need to, it's raining. I think it might rain. I think I saw some sleet somewhere on the map. Oh, that was Marietta. Okay. We're not going to church today. If you gave those same kind of excuses for not going to work, you'd be unemployed this week. We play at our worship. I want to tell you, when it comes to church, you know, people, I want to say in the life of this place, there's somebody praying for workers. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful in John 4.35. He said the labors are few. Pray for labors. There's a potential. The harvest is plentiful. And I'm telling you, around this place, there are people in need of a loving church, a caring family. There are folks who are broken. They feel there's too many abortions, too many divorces, too much junk in my life. God, can you really care for a guy like me? They need to know that the plus sign of the cross is that God's not given up. And the life of this church, X church, is a reminder that God's not given up on anybody. I don't care how much time they've been in print or in prison. God's not given up on anybody. This is a lifeline church. I'm grateful to God. He says the potential, the problem's not enough servants. Pray for laborers. Somebody's praying for laborers. A little after 7 o'clock this morning, there are people here gathered. Somebody's praying for workers. They're gathering and preparing. There's a network of volunteers knitted to the life of this place that's amazing. Greeters, parking lot, helping with the children's ministries. What's going to happen when we get a tool that's close to that four-lane out there and they have a foyer where people can actually commune? I want to tell you, that foyer is like a gallon of gold in a, with a, in a quart jar out there. That's a lot of love and fellowship, but it can't stay there long because there's too many folks. We're going to get you a foyer where there can be some community. We're going to give you some parking. You don't have to climb Mount Everest to get into the church foyer. Man, I want to tell you, you better be doing your aerobics to make those last 10 steps. We're going to give you access. We're going to look at times where people can even come to walkers and wheelchairs. And those are grandparents who've been calling their grandchildren all week long saying, meet me at church at X church. Now, I'm grateful for what you're doing on behalf of 5,000 investors who are plowing funds and life and love and are praying for you. Pastor Tim, you may not know this. There are dozens, maybe even hundreds now from the Solomon Foundation who are, in fact, listening to your podcast. They tell me about it from Denver. Messages I may have missed, they got. They're, they're in their uh, running places. They're in their weight rooms and their whatever, and they're telling me they're listening to X church the impact of life of this church you're not going to understand until you get to heaven. The full harvest of changed lives is going to be the thousands that are impacting tens of thousands. We think you've only just begun. You workers and servants, as you're praying, you're loving and you're praying, the next generation is going to be not only what are you doing in the life of the church, but who are you training? Who are you equipping? Who are you mentoring? Because we believe that the next generation of the life of this church is going to be a light set on a hill that refuses to be hid throughout central Ohio. Get ready to meet people you never thought would come to church. It's in Luke 23. Luke, excuse me, 321. Read it with me. If you have your Bibles, this is the verse that your pastor started the entire series with. And I want to end the series with starting there. Jesus is being baptized. He's in Luke 3. He's in the Jordan River. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, 
Now, we believe baptism is a beautiful picture of a death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We celebrate with him that we believe the tomb and the womb, the tomb that buries the past and births a grace of the future. Notice, he says, he was baptized and heaven was opened up. And the Holy Spirit came upon him in bodily form like a dove. Prayer leads to power, the power of God's Spirit. Look over in chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Prayer leads to the power of the Holy Spirit because he's getting ready for a season in this passage of temptation. Why do I need to pray? Why do every single one of us that breathe a breath need to pray? Because there's going to be seasons of temptation, trial, and opportunity. I will not be effective to overcome, to become in the face of temptation if I haven't prayed up. If I haven't prepared to meet the enemy. To say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Satan, get thee behind me. Say it with me. Satan, get thee behind me. Jesus said those words. We need to say those words. Note something. Temptation, trial, and opportunity. Will I meet that opportunity and be effective? Will be determined by the level of my prayer life. The life of this church, your prayer life today, will not sustain you for the opportunities that are yet to come. Get ready today for the harvest on the horizon. The harvest is plentiful. The labor is a few. Potential. Problem. Not enough labors. Pray ye for servants. Pray ye for people who can make a difference. In the life of this church are those who can make a difference. Now, I'm reminded of years ago. I was raised in eastern Kentucky, and we had some stories about preachers after the Civil War. There's heavy unemployment. Some of them, in fact, a couple of guys got involved in preaching as sort of a scam against the church. And they were very good at it, I might add. In eastern Kentucky, these guys were stealing horses. One of them would preach in a revival. And oh, could he was an orator, buddy. He could do it. And the guy who was the other side of this would get in the back outside and size up the best horses and walk off with several of the best horses. The story goes that as they got, he preached longer up here he got further away with the horses. Now, a few years later, they got caught up with these guys. Preacher or no preacher, in eastern Kentucky, your capital offense, you're hung. They caught these two gentlemen. They're sitting on the horses, noose around their neck. As the story goes, they went to the first one and said, Sir, before we hang you, do you have any last request? He said, Yes, as an act of repentance, I'd like to preach one last sermon. They said, That's a fair request. They went to the second preacher and they said, do you have any request? He said, yes. Would you please hang me first? I've heard him preach before. <laughs> now let me say in the life of the church, there have been over the history of the church, there's been a lot of different characters rise on the horizon. We believe that God has prayed and prepared an authentic, genuine article of Pastor Tim to lead this thing in the years to come. And I want to tell you the life of this place is real. I've seen people come through those doors. I've seen people who had a lot of messes in their lives. And the prayer that led to the power of the Spirit leads to a genuine, you don't need to make believe about your life or have image building. We've all messed up. We're all sinners by saying, I mean, how is it that a holy God who sees beyond my shallow facade can love this clod he made out of sod? We've all messed up. I need God's help. Pastor Tim and the rest were all here, sinners saved by grace. 
helping we're beggars who found manna giving living manna of hope to those around us prayer someone said the cross is a reflection of prayer the communion of heaven is the vertical bar to a communication of love and a community of servants in the life of this place, as you connect with the Lord, do you know that he didn't just die to save us and forgive us of our sins? That's number one. The privilege of prayer was number two. Hebrews 10 says he entered into the holy place on our behalf, that we're able to go to the heavenly father. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through anybody else. We can directly go as an adopted child of God and say, Father, I need your help. And that's hands raised as I've surrendered. Hands raised means I, I need God. I need your help. I need manna. I'm a beggar. He will never abandon a contrite heart. The vertical bar and a horizontal. I love the unlovely. Now, have you ever been in traffic when three cars in front of you, the little lady on her text machine is missed that 30 seconds ago it turned green? I mean, have you ever said in your heart of hearts, honey, it isn't getting any greener. Move it. Don't ever raise a hand here. How many of you have ever gotten into the right lane to go around? I, I would say, have you ever been at a, a like Kroger and, and three people in front of you, the dear man is trying to negotiate the price of lettuce with that dear clerk sitting there trying to make sense of life. And, and he's giving him a rough day over the price of lettuce. I want to say, I've quit grieving. Uh, McDonald's, you, you think they got trainee day every day. And I'm sitting there going, I mean, I've had to wait a whole 60 seconds for my hamburger. <laughs> if you have to wait three minutes, it's cruel and unusual punishment. No, I've learned to crucify my selfishness and my pride in these moments. Do any of you all deal with pride? Any of you all don't raise your hand here. None of you wives go like this. Husbands, do not do this. Let me say, I'm, not, I'm speaking to you. Would you please note, in that moment, crucify and start praying. In traffic, pray. When you're going by Brewdog and going by that new site out there, just don't drive by all that construction. Pray over that construction. You become a walking cross, the communion of heaven. And when you come in touch with somebody, what happens? That person is leavened by the grace and the peace and the joy and the hope that's within you. I had a dear friend a while back sent me a text and just said, breathe. He's here this morning. Sit me take, breathe. Hope you're breathing deep. I started thinking, I need to do that more often. Physically breathe, but spiritually breathe. We need to exhale pride to inhale humility. I need to exhale fear to inhale courage. I need to exhale lust to inhale purity. I need all of us to exhale bitterness to inhale grace. We need to go through life breathing in the presence of God, that I need God's help. It is a daily walk. It's not just a sight. It's not just a room. It's not just a season on Sunday. We ought to be living, walking people who have the prayer of heaven, the power of the Spirit to accomplish the purpose of God. And every moment of every day, He will raise up circumstances that you never dreamed of. Prayer, power, purpose. I was um, in the middle of Lancaster with friends of mine, we began to pray over neighborhoods, about 10 neighborhoods, pray and walk, meet and greet, stand and shine. In the course of time, uh, I had my neighbor who knocked on my door, Jeff Roush, 
And he said, uh, I knew he and his wife were agnostics. and They were friendly. We were great. I'd walk by his house. Treva would make Jeff sit on the steps and smoke his morning cigarettes because she wouldn't let him smoke inside. But I'd nod and smile, say something, just keep him going. I was praying for Jeff. Weeks later, he's knocking on my door. I've got a tumor attached between my heart and lung. I don't believe I have ever read much of your book. When you think of me, I don't even know if I believe in prayer, but when you think of me, I said, Jeff, I'm not just going to think of you. We're going to pray for you. He began to ask questions, and he gave his heart to Christ in time. His wife, Treva, and for 18 months, he was a walking testimony, sharing the grace and the goodness of God. And I want to say this. His wife is still steadfast. His widow is sharing light and love. Pray and walk. Meet and greet. Stand and shine. I got there. I am uh, from Denver. I flew in quick as I could at midnight. I'm looking at this CAT scan. And the doctor said, sir, I've seen hundreds of these over the years. And I've never seen one like this that got here alive. Most CAT scans any like this don't get to the hospital. And I'm sorry, we're, we, we only have a few options here. And tonight we only have one. I said, why can't we do these others we talked about? She said, she'd never survive that. She wouldn't live through it. We have one option. You need to know that uh, we have to pray about some things. And you need to think about some things. But have you considered what it's like? Um, well, excessive end-of-life care because we're going to do the surgery. We're not sure what's going to happen after that. We kept praying. We would not give up. I called on your church family. The doctors began saying, have we thought about our options here? She hasn't awakened yet. She's not out of this coma yet. And some of you right here went and prayed by her bed. Some of you right here would not give up. A couple here, Brent and Christina, would come and every now and then rescue me from one more day of hospital food. <laughs> Took me out. Your preacher, pastor with some of your leaders came and anointed with oil. Another church, Fairfield, anointed with oil with the elders, like the Bible says. One of the elders, Doug, said to me, Russell, I had to confess. When I thought there, we were praying probably for her eternal healing. And I knew God was going to heal her, either here or there. And I said, Doug, I, I received that too. But I know I would pray, God, my grandchildren need their nanny. I need my wife. You all prayed and wouldn't give up, and God answered. And by God's grace, she's here today, sitting in the back row, rocking one of those little babies. Now I want to tell you, we serve a living God, a loving Savior. And row by row, you're here today because somebody prayed. You're here today because somebody wouldn't quit praying. When you didn't have sense enough to pray for ourselves. I want to tell you. I believe that God is going to raise up some answered prayer and we're preparing for a birth of a new chapter over there just a few miles away where hundreds of people are going to be celebrating that they've discovered that God's not given up. That I can be saved. I can go to heaven. I can have eternal life. Note this. Prayer, power, purpose. From the beginning of Jesus' life. I want you to look on even into what, what happens. He says... He prayed in the cross of Gethsemane, before the cross, on the cross. Father, forgive them that know not what they do. He is praying before he had leaders, praying before he stopped funerals, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hebrews 7.25 says, today he ever lives to intercede. I believe he's praying, interceding on our behalf. 
and miracles in the midst of a dark world. Church, get ready for the harvest of the ages. I believe prophecy is being fulfilled in our lifetime. Jesus said when the end of times comes and the Son of Man returns, it will be like the days of Noah. It will be like a woman getting ready to give birth. The birth pains will get more intense and they'll get with greater intensity and greater frequency. I think we're living historically in those moments. Church, get ready for the greatest harvest of people to come to Christ in the history of the church. I believe more people will be saved in this window of time that have been saved in Christendom from the day of Pentecost to this moment in our lifetimes. More people will come to Christ during our life than the 2,000-year cumulative history of the church. While there's great darkness, and we see it every day on the news, there's great light penetrating the darkness. This is a church, a lifeline church, that'll shine that light. Prayer, power, purpose. I'm grateful to God for your heart today. I am thankful for what he's done, not only in my life, through this church family, but also through families on every course. There's a small poem, and it's written, I think, for some of you right here, that care. Some of you that won't give up caring. Some of you that stay in the trenches when everybody else is abandoned. Someone cares and always will. The world forgets, but God loves you still. You cannot go beyond his love, no matter what you're guilty of. For God forgives until the end. He is your faithful, loyal friend. And though you try to hide your face, there is no shelter any place. They can't escape his watchful eye. For on the earth and in the sky, he's ever present and always there to take you in his tender care. And bind the wounds and mend the breaks what all the world around forsakes. Somebody cares and loves you still. And God is the someone who always will. I think this church becomes the body of Christ. X church becomes. That X is the first letter in the Bible. Chi for Christ. Meaning anointed. Anointed church. Anointed of God in prayer. Make this to be the destination place of prayer. When people are wounded in the community, I don't care what religion, I don't care Catholic, Baptist, Lutheran, make this to be the destination place for prayer. This is a place full of God's spirit. You sense the love and the joy and the peace, patience and kindness. The servant's heart. I'm telling you, July 21 is going to be a day that will long be remembered in the life of this community. And I'm telling you, on that day, they're going to be saying, when do you open the doors to that place next door? Why is that going up? Because we believe this is going to be a generational impact. Get ready for what God is going to be doing. But most of all, get ready for what God's going to do in your life, in your family. Husbands, start praying with your wives. Wives, start praying with your children. What's going to happen when hundreds of people take one step of prayer? And you begin to see miracles that only God can bring. You see people in this church loving the unlovely, caring for the broken. I close with this story, Jim Lance. James Lance was the secretary. He was, excuse me, the speaker of the house for the state of Ohio. He was a state representative from Lancaster that most people, they don't even remember. James Lance Sr., the older man, introduced with God, all things are possible to be our state motto. It was a day that Democrats and Republicans joined hands. Imagine that. Only God. And they all voted together to make the state motto, with God, all things are possible. She's in a wheelchair today on the north side of Columbus. 
And I want to say Susan Loda raised a million dollars to refurbish. The, she's a lovely lady, loves Christ. She's in a wheelchair, confined, can only move part of her head. She raised a million dollars, and she said, I only want one thing. Our state motto, embedded in concrete, bronzed, that it can't be moved in the center of our capital. With God, all things are possible. Say that with me. With God, all things are possible. What most people didn't know is that James Lance had a son, Jimmy, who was an alcoholic. Went through drug addictions, went through wives, went through families, went through everything else. And he came into my office one day, always college educated, he's bright, skeptical, had all the... I said, why are you here? He said, because... I, don't, I need hope. I've tried everything. I just need hope. Jimmy, weeks later, came to Sunday morning with Saturday night's liquor still in his breath. He was still very sober, but he had the aroma of Saturday night. He came forward and gave his life to Christ. He didn't know he only had about six months to live. You see, God forgives our sins, but sometimes allow the, the temporal consequences to stay with it. The cirrhosis took him. But on that day, he gave his life to Christ. Out of the back came James Lance, stepped forward. The entire church had no idea that the one man who spearheaded was now experiencing with God, all things are possible. Say that with me. With God, all things are possible. At Jimmy's funeral, I shared the resurrection hope. Romans 8, 11. Do you not know that the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead wants to give life to your mortal bodies? He doesn't just want to resurrect our dust and give us heaven. He wants to resurrect us in ministry today. The resurrection power is ours today to love the unlovely, experience fruit we never dreamed possible. Bow your heads with me if you would. Father in heaven, I pray for those here who maybe have thought it's impossible for me to ever get it right. Now, God, I need your help. I'll never get it right. I need your help today, God. I pray that you'd be with every family, that grace would abound, new mercy, fresh love, a baptism of hope, that celebration would become contagious, gratitude would happen. Father, may workplaces be changed because there's change agents who pray to become encouragers and that people around them in every direction are now improved in their efforts because of a change agent full of Jesus. May prayer, power, and purpose be woven to the tapestry of this church. God, we love you. We thank you. We're grateful for what you've yet to do. In Jesus' name.